podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. The question is, is darts really a sport? It was the worst tackle I've ever seen. Fair play to Joe Root, it was a great knock. There's nothing like a good derby match. It was easily the best 7-9 I've ever hit. Right, come on lads, let's crack on. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast with me, Adam Millichip. I'm joined as always by my colleague and good friend, Nigel. Hi, Nigel. How are you this week? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much, Adam. Enjoying the sun. That time we had to be in nice weather. It is. It's been beautiful this week. Hopefully it continues. We're also joined by other two co-hosts, Tom and Thomas, who are students at Technal Woods School in Wolverhampton. Technal Woods School is a school for children and young adults with autism. And we have set up this podcast to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. How are you this week, boys? Good, thanks. Yeah. Good, good. Joining us on the TWS Sports podcast today is a golfer who has played in the 1993 Ryder Cup. He was vice captain at the 2006 Ryder Cup and he's won three times in the European Tour. Welcome to the podcast, Peter Baker. Good morning. Morning, everyone. Good morning. morning. Peter, what have you been up to this week? This week, um, actually, an in- interesting week, really, because the fact that, as we alluded to, the sun's shining. So I've managed to, I'm playing in a tournament next week. So really, it's preparation this week for, for next week. So I've been sorting my equipment, making sure that's correct. And uh, I've got, uh, I'm happy with it. So, for instance, I've, uh, my driver, I've changed the shaft in it a little bit. So I've got a new sh- golf shaft in it that hopefully should work. I say that with my fingers crossed. Yeah, and just really preparing for that. So I've been able to practice a little bit. So I've been working on my game. Peter, we want to take you back to the start of your career. Did you have any sporting heroes? And how did you get into golf in the first place? Well, my dad played. My dad was my dad and my uncle were keen golfers uh, over at Lillyshaw Hall. My dad was a 12 handicap golfer and my uncle was a 16 handicap golfer. So just, just normal club golfers. Um, and basically on a Saturday, because uh, my mom worked, uh, he used to, used to drag me up the golf club. Literally, I was four years old uh, when I first went up there. And I used to walk around, one golf club cut down and a ball. And I used to just hit it while they were playing and then pick it up. And that's really how I got into it. And that lasted probably uh, a couple of years or so. And then I started getting a lot keener. And I, you know, in those days, you, you couldn't, junior clubs were really difficult to get. So it just really cut down men's clubs. I used to have a few of those. And then, uh, that, well, like I said, that went on for a couple of years. And then basically, the assistant professional at the golf club lived uh, near me here in Cotswold. Uh, so in the summer holidays uh, or whatever holidays we had from school, he used to pick me up and I used to go up to the golf club and we were there all day. So I was like sort of probably seven then, eight years old then. And I was going up there all day, every day. And I was lucky I had a really good professional up there and a really good assistant professional. Um, sporting heroes, oh, that's a good one. Pro- probably uh, golf-wise, I went to a lot of the Open Championships, and during that time there was a uh, Tom Watson who won he won five of them. Um, so he was probably my golfing hero, along with uh, a young guy at that time, which was Seve Ballesteros. Um, so those are my two really sporting ones, uh, as in golf. But you know, I was heavily into my football then. So you know, uh, a, b- a big one was uh, Kenny Dalglish. I used to love Kenny Dalglish. Uh, you know, I thought he was, was a brilliant player. Even though I'm a Wolves fan, I still thought he was a brilliant player. So uh, that, that, those are my sort of sporting heroes. How did you end up being coached by Sandalar's dad? 
Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. That, so when I was over at Lily Shaw, uh, uh, Sandy's father, Alex, was based at Hawkstone Park, which which isn't far away, probably about half an hour drive away. And uh, Sandy was basically the best player in the world then, certainly Europe. I think he just won the Open Championship in 1985, and then he went on to win the Masters. So great player, and being a, a lo- local, local really local guy. My my dad and my uncle thought uh, obviously pathway to getting better, which his dad had taken him through was the right thing to do. So we phoned up and managed to get a lesson with Alex, and we went over, met him, brilliant, and uh, so I had about 45 minutes with him. All, all went really well, and I never forget. He, he, you know, we went paying. He said, "Yeah, so right." five pound that's what it costs five pound my first lesson and he uh, and he just says look i want you to go away come back in a month i want you to work on what we've we've said uh, and i'll see you in a month's time so i did and i worked hard on it i came back and everything and uh from, from the second lesson i was in never never charged me a penny never never charged me a penny at all because as long as i was working hard at it and he could see the improvement he didn't yeah didn't want to, ch- didn't want to charge me which you know you look back on that uh was a brilliant thing really you spoke about sandy Lyle there. And one of the other British players that was really at the top of their game and really buying with uh, Sandlines to be the best in the UK was, of course, Nick Fowder. Your first tournament win, the Benson Hedges International Open, you, you was in a playoff there with Nick Fowder. Can you tell us a bit about that, please? Yeah, it was um, it was up at uh, Fulford in York, um, up there, and that was always a big, big tournament. Of course, always in great condition, and you know, one to one to win, really. You know, and you watch it on TV in those days. So, um, and it was funny, really, because in the practice round before the event, you know, I, I was I was hopeless, really. You know, I wasn't expecting a good week at all and struggling a bit. And yeah. for some reason, the morning on the thir- first day, on the Thursday, in the morning before I went out. I, I, I found something where it went a bit better and I sort of played with it and I put it well and had a good round and got a bit of confidence and it went on. And actually the last last two days, I I, um, I, I was I got drawn with Faldo. So I played Faldo in round three and in round four. And then in round three, I sort of did okay. I held my own a bit. And I think that gave me a lot of confidence. Obviously, yeah. he, he was, um, I think he was US Open champion or something or whatever he was, you know. And so, uh, I think that gave me a bit of confidence. And basically, I think he was leading by one going in the last round. And I sort of stuck with it, stuck with it. And we got to the last hole and I was still one behind and of the main event. And I made an eagle and he made a birdie. So, that went into a playoff. And then the first extra hole, which was the first hole, we both made pass. And then the uh, 18th again, which was the second extra hole, I made eagle again, and he he made birdie, and, and that was it really, which was uh, a ma- amazing finish to do do it twice was was in- incredible really, and uh, you know my main dream really as, as a young lad growing up was to win a professional golf tournament, so that that was a huge 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 thing for me, and um, it was funny, and, I, and I, when I achieved that, the next, the next three weeks I missed all the cuts in the tournament, so I didn't do any good. I think I was, I was, I was still still <laughs> excited uh, winning it and and like I'd, I'd achieve my goal if you want to so I had to find some a different goal then really I know that sounds a bit crazy when you look back at it uh, your final round in the 1988 Dunhill Masters was 63 was that the best round of golf you've ever played I'd have to say probably yes yeah I, again I think I think a lot of it in sport I mean I don't know you know, sometimes when I've gone out in sport and I felt great before I've gone out and I've hit it brilliant on the practice ground, I thought well, it's going to be a great day today, you know, and, and it, it seems to disappoint you. And then other, other times you, you go, you know, all of a sudden you have an unbelievable day. And then that, that was one of them, I think. Um, I, just, I just, yeah, played fantastic. Everything went right for me, as you can imagine. Uh, I had a lot of good shots, a lot of putts. Yeah, I think that probably 
probably is probably is the best round round of sh- I've probably ever shot. Really, I think under pressure certainly. I broke the course record two maybe I think day two, or, and then the third round wasn't was very average, shall we say? And then I broke it again on the last day. So um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think you're right. I think that was my best best round. Was the level of golf different in the majors compared to the European tour? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think it goes up. Uh, I would, or oh, I suppose a comparison would be maybe a bit harsh. This comparison, I suppose, Championship to Premiership, or Premiership maybe to European Cup, maybe mm. that's probably the, the comparison I would say. So you're playing in the European Tour on the other events, which is you know Premiership level, and then all of a sudden you're in the European Cup quarterfinal or whatever it is. I think that, and that's that's really the majors. So everything's a lot harder. Course is a lot harder. They they set the course up really really difficult, and obviously you got the best best players in the world all come together, you know, trying trying to win the event. But um, yeah, everything's almost probably quadrupled, you know, the amount of people, the hospitality areas, the excitement, the media, lots lots more media from around the world. So definitely definitely a lot tougher. The four majors definitely a lot tougher. And then when you go to go to Augusta, uh, which is the first major of the year where they play, they play use the same course all the time. That, that's even a bit more, even though it's only sort of 80 players on average playing it. Because you go back to the same place, you sort of you sort of get to know it. But it's got that, I don't know, it's like special, a bit like, a bit like Wembley, really, I suppose. You go to Wembley, you know, it's, it's it's different. And going back to go Augusta is different, even though it's the same place every year. It's still it's still wonderful experience. Last week on the podcast, we were joined by former Wolves player Dave Edwards. And he had a question for you, Peter. His question was, what is his favourite hole at Augusta and why? Probably the uh, the par three, the, the 12th. I think I think that's probably my favourite one. It's the one across the water and it greens at a funny angle. It's not very long, actually. It's probably about 150 yards. Uh, but that's probably it's an iconic hole. That's where all the drama is on the last day at the Masters. People, you know, are leading. Uh, well, there's quite a few that have hit in the water, all that sort of stuff. So it all tends to start, the back nine at Augusta tends to start happening on the 12th hole because I never forget my first practice round on there. And you got on there and, like, you watched it on TV all your life. And to get on there, it was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So just to have a go at it, you felt like you wanted to take your practice bag of 100 balls, put them on the tee and just keep, keep it in it, you know, because it was just great to be able to do it. Uh, and then it's like... When you look at it in a practice uh, practice round, it's it's just yeah, it's all right. You know, it's you're okay with it. And in the tournament, oh my word, it's like oh that gets your attention. That's different. It, it's amazing. It's just just it's just an awkward par three, but a great great hole and obviously a very famous hole. You played in the 1993 ride. What was that like to play in? And what what were your best moments of the tournament? Firstly, very, very nerve-wracking to play in it. Yeah, very, very nervous. You know, it's um, you have to qualify for it throughout the year, and which I managed to get into the sort of top top twelve. It actually was only in Birmingham at the Belfry. You know, quite local. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you, you're nervous in tournaments anyhow before you play in it, which which is a good thing, a really good thing because you can perform at your best level when you when you're nervous and it's, it's, it's nervousness and excitement at the same time. Uh, so you feel a bit uncomfortable really you do feel uncomfortable when you you know and then but when you get on the Ryder Cup tee the first tee shot uh, that's the most uncomfortable thing in the world <laughs> even though you've been doing it all your life and you've been in tournaments all your life all of a sudden you're on that tee and you and all of them all the players Tiger Woods everybody they're all nervous 
all of them. They're all nervous and they're all, it's a different feeling to you every day playing golf in tournaments and it is very uncomfortable. And you're just hoping, you're keeping your fingers crossed that you can hit a reasonable shot so you don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> that's, that's all you want to do is get off the tee. Please get me off here in one piece. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it was a brilliant experience, I have to say, and uh, fantastic. And um, yeah, you got all of the excitement and the buzz and Obviously, it's you know Europe v USA, so it's a big rivalry there, and um, it, it, it's very, very, very competitive. And and probably I think I think my my first round I was uh, four ball round, and I managed to get my on my first on my opening debut, if you want to call it my opening match, I managed to get a point. So I think that was a massive achievement. Just to to get a point, I felt like I contributed to yeah. the team. I felt a bit more relaxed after that, you know, just to get one point on the board was great and then after that I played really well and I had a, 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 I wouldn't think three points out of four so you know those matches were, were, were fantastic but to know it was like really really difficult experience and when when you speak to some of the young lads who are going on it now and they, they come up to you and say oh, what was the Ryder Cup like you go well it's different it's different be you know be prepared sort of thing it's different be prepared that it's going to be different to what yeah. you normally like you know but it's uh and they all say the same thing you know, they're nervous as anything on that first tee. It's a big, it's a big ordeal. You've got so much expectation, haven't you? You've got yes. everybody watching yes. you, and you're on home turf as well. So everyone's yeah, yeah. really willing you to do well. So this, it's just yeah. And there's always a big build up to You get to the tee, and it's you you probably uh, well you wouldn't know this, but there's always a big thing about getting to the first tee early. So you don't what they try and do. Both teams they try and get their last so to the tee. So they get all the applause. Last, it's a, it's a really funny, funny one. That yeah. so you wait and waiting. You're on the putting green before, waiting to see if the people you're playing against are going, and they're watching you and so on. And it gets a bit of a bit cat and mouse, <laughs> and it's quite it's quite funny. And uh, you know, it's um, yeah, it's it's inter- interesting stuff that really. Wow, so the mind games begin before you even take oh. your first shot. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And you don't really want to get there too early because there's all the crowds there and they're cheering and the, you know. You're hanging about. You're getting more and more nervous. Yeah, yeah. You really just want to go. You really want to just go on there. Hopefully nobody's looking in it. A good shot and carry on. <laughs> but obviously you've got millions around the world watching. You won three out of four matches at the Ryder Cup. What was it like to play as part of a team? And do you feel you should have won the Ryder Cup? Yes, I think I think we should. We we should have won the Ryder Cup. We were leading all the way around from day one, from sh- from the first shot really until the last half an hour of play. So that was really big, big disappointment not, not to win it. And um, we felt we're in control uh, all the way around, really. And it just changed on a couple of matches, which it generally does. Uh, they just went against us. And, and that, that was obviously disappointing, disappointing to lose. And then re- really, I think playing in a team was just incredible for me because uh, even though I've known all these, got these guys, you know, most of my, well, my professional careers, shall we say, uh, which is probably seven, six or seven years in though uh, at that time, um, you know, I had an unbelievable team. So I had like Colin Montgomery, Alathabal, Sevi Ballesteros, uh, Langer, Woosnam, Constantina Rocker, great, great players, really. Faldo, you know, great players. So being in the same team room and seeing how they work and how they think was superb. And I, I you know, like most sportsmen, we were very, very competitive. Uh, and I thought I was really, really competitive and wanted to win. And then till I come across uh, Seve, Alathabel, Langer, they were, uh, they were. I can't, I can't tell you how competitive they were. I mean, I, I was, I was shocked. I've never been so shocked in my life because I thought 
you know, I don't know what I thought. I just thought I was really competitive and those guys just desperate to win. Really, really desperate to beat the Americans and uh, really, really wanted to win. So that was a bit of an eye-opener for me. So was it a good team spirit? Brilliant, oh. yeah. Really, really, yeah. really good. Yeah, really good. I mean, I we were down, down at breakfast the one morning. Me and Barry Lane played uh, Payne Stewart and Ray Floyd in the in the foursome. Was it four ball or foursomes? And Seve, Seve came at six o'clock in the morning. Seve's down breakfast. We and Barry were chatting away. Seve came down, sat on the table. And he's saying, right, you've got a very difficult match today against these two guys. Uh, and uh, you need to be, you know, on your toes, you know, concentrate, all that. So he's really, really trying to help us, which is, which, which is quite quite funny, really. <laughs> in a way, I don't know why it was funny, but it was. <laughs> it's like, like my, my dad's come to help me, you know. <laughs> but no, no. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant team spirit, yeah. Do you feel more comfortable being vice captain compared to being a competitor in the Bailey Cup? Um, I would say it's a lot easier being vice captain than it is playing. I felt more pressure playing than being vice captain. The only only probably downside of being vice captain or a captain is if you lose, you're going to get a lot of uh, stick from the press. Really, mm. that's that's really uh, the I felt was the only difference and. Um, it's funny how you watch it as a vice captain unfold, and the fact that the, you can see that the press are sort of behind. They're setting you up to sort of have a go at you if you're going to lose. It's 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 just amazing when you when you were involved in it, you know. And they uh, and you think, well, you know, you know, they try and ask you questions and you answer questions, and you know that if you lose, they'll go back to that and say, well, you know, hang on a minute, you know, so on and so forth, and. So that that was the, that was a really sort of different thing for me. Like as a player, you know, they don't really have a go at the players if they lose. But the captains and vice captains, like football managers, I suppose, isn't it? You know, football managers tend to get it if they lose, and uh, it's a very very similar thing. So more pressure for me playing definitely than uh, being being vice captain. But what I would say is, when I was vice captain, we won by record points. So it was a lot easier anyhow. <laughs> It was, 18, was it eighteen and a half to nine and a half points? You, you was, yeah, faced them, didn't you? Yeah, that was that was that was incredible. But again, you know, it, I mean, it's, we won by miles, but uh, I think there was something like about twelve or thirteen matches went down the last hole, which we really? I think I think we won eleven of them. Wow! Which, which, so you know, you can see, you know, very still finely balanced, even though we won by a lot. But uh, when you look back on it, you think, oh, you know, it could have gone the either way. Because the Americans, they had to, didn't they have Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in that team? They did. Oh yeah, they had a strong team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Americans always have a strong team. They they sort of sort of can't help it, really, you know. But uh, yeah, fortunately, we performed better on the on the on the few days, and it was in Ireland. uh, And Ireland was a great crowd. It was raining, which probably suited us better than the Americans. (laughs) You know, so we were a bit used to that. So yeah, all all went very well. Who is the greatest golfer you have ever played with? Oof. Ah, right. Uh, well, I, pl- I played with, with with the man who got the best record as in majors, which is Jack Nicholas. I played with him at Augusta, so uh, he was sort of fifty, a bit like me, nearly finished fifty four or something like that. Um, so that that was brilliant. And then but I played with Tiger Woods a couple of times. So probably the best golfer I've ever played with was probably Tiger Woods. I would say because he was brilliant when I played with him. Absolutely, yeah, fantastic. Record-wise, probably Nicholas has got a better major record, that's for sure. So, but uh, as the performance and being good, I think Tiger Woods was uh, 
fantastic. He was at his peak then, 2000 and 2002, and it was um, it was very, very different. You know, a lot, a lot of the golfers, it's, it's like there's nothing between them, really. It's very, very fine line. But Tiger was, you, you know, when you watched it, it was different. You know, it was very, very different. And uh, he was great to play with, by the way. He was a really nice guy to play with. You know, and uh, very respectful, and uh, it was it was good, great great experience. Obviously, um, you're doing it at the time. You think, yeah, it's brilliant and everything. You look back on it, it's, it's even a bit better, really. No, it, it was um, really really good with you. So probably, I'd have to say Tiger Woods. Do you think he'll ever come back and, and win again? Um, you never say never with Tiger, but I think that's going to be really really difficult. I mean, it looks like a bad injury, uh, and obviously, you use your legs a lot in golf. Uh, power and obviously getting around the golf course so I think that's going to be really difficult for him I, I, ho- I hope he does what a story that would be you know I hope we get him back playing on the on the on the in the events as well really to start with can be competitive that that would be absolutely brilliant um, you know he's been tremendous for the game I think he's brought a lot of young people into the game uh, and he's you know he's broke down a lot of barriers so I, th- I think it's just, just been brilliant really I think uh, and it you know, I know you always say it's going to be people are going to be difficult to replace, aren't they? You know, sports people, and there's always somebody comes along. You know, but I think he's going to be going to be really difficult for the game to replace. Yeah, I agree. He ignited a lot of excitement in the game, didn't he? Talking of igniting excitement in the game, did you ever play with Sebi? I did. I was, I was very, 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 very fortunate. I played with Sebi over thirty times. I played with him a lot. A, a hell of a lot. So I first met him when I was 14 out at La Manga in Spain when I played in a, the Daily Express National Boys. I qualified for it. Yeah. And he was out there as pro and he gave a clinic, gave, gave a golf clinic. And uh, at 14, you know, you're pretty confident. You think, you know, you're a good player and everything. And then uh, Seve gets up there and gives a golf clinic and hits shots I've never seen before. And that was really good good kick, kick for me to say, oh, I think I need to practice a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> that's a totally different level <laughs> you know, like, wow what's happened there who's who's this guy you know and um he was uh so i got to know him really really well and uh brilliant brilliant guy and he'd, he'd always play with him and you know he would be quite wild off the tee as we all know uh but it, you know if you go after the round you'd be talking to the other guys and, and they'd always say had his heavy play and say well he hit this shot on the 14th that you can't believe so every 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 round you play with him he'd hit a shot that was just out of this world and go, well, how's he done that? You know, and every, every time it was, it was, it was funny really, but uh, he was a good guy. He was a good guy. I mean, he was, um, if he liked you, helped you a lot. You know, if you asked him, he'd help yeah. you, help you which, which is great. And a lot of the guys are like that. They really help you. You know, if, if they say, um, how do you do that? Or you know, what thing? they would really, really help you. Majority of the guys. So even though we're very competitive and trying to beat each other day in and day out, uh, there is that sort of camaraderie where you'd help each other. You've been asked to captain the Ryder Cup team. You can choose four players, past or present, to make up the ultimate European four ball of all time. Who are you choosing and why? Firstly, I'd probably, I'd, de- I'd definitely go for a Seve and a Lathabal because uh, a few reasons for that. Firstly, they were fiercely competitive and they could uh, make a score from anywhere. They could be 100 yards away and they'd appear on the green and get a half or win the hole. And uh, and also they were they were they were quite clever in the in, well, I say quite clever it was natural for them, but they'd never speak English, so the Americans wouldn't have a clue what was going. They'd always speak in in, in Spanish, and the Americans hated that, and they'd do it on purpose. And they would speak like across the Americans in Spanish, 
and, and, they, and they keep, the Americans always didn't know what was going on. So that, that, that was quite quite a funny thing. It sort of wound them up a little bit. Uh, so that'd be two of them. Oh, what else would I have? Probably Langer. Langer was, uh, a, he was really difficult to beat again. Very, very you knew it was really, really difficult. And I put myself in there because I, I knew I'd have a good chance playing with those three guys. <laughs> they carry me along. <laughs> It'd just be great to watch. So, Peter, we have a question from a listener who's got in touch with the podcast. And if anyone wants to get in touch with the podcast with a question for us or a question for a future guest, then please email twspodcast at hotmail.com. Our question today comes from Simon Byford. So, Simon is a golf pro and has a successful TikTok page called PGA Life 365. So, make sure you check that out. His question is. Hey Peter, if I could ask you one question, it would be, when you played in the Ryder Cup, how much different was it to a normal event? How much more elevated was it? Were you more nervous? Were you more focused? What was different about a Ryder Cup to a normal event? Cheers. Oh, usually, usually nervous, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's different level, completely different level. Yeah, just, uh, I, I, it's like, you can't prepare yourself for that. That's basically it, really. You just, uh, you know, people say, so you're going to be nervous and stuff like that. And uh, no, it's, it's a t- totally different level to uh, anything I've experienced, whether it be Open Championships. Pro- probably the only, the only time I've ever been anywhere near nervous as that is when I played with Jack Nicholas at Augusta on the first tee at Augusta. And I, I, was, I was really nervous then, uh, but probably not quite as nervous as the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup's just a different level. Quiz time, and we're right. going to play a quiz called Play Your Rounds Right. It's a bit like uh, Play Your Cards Right, but with uh, aggregate rounds for the Open Championship. And our starting round is 1948. It's Field. It's Henry Cotton. He shot 284 for that round. Uh, so Play Your Rounds Right, you've got to say whether the score is higher or lower. And the first uh, tournament is... Thomas? It is 1970. The same Andrews. And this guy's name is Jan Nicholas. So, oh, did oh. Jan Nicholas score higher or lower than Henry Cotton's 284? Ah, that's a good one, that. That is very good. I'm going to have to say Nicholas must have shot lower. He did indeed. He got 283. So, play your round right. Are you going to go higher or lower than Jack Nicholas's 283? And this time, it's 1988, Seville Royal Lytham St. Anne's. question is, is he higher or lower than Jack Nicholas's 283? <laughs> You're being harsh there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. OK, so that's probably 500, isn't it? So, what was was, so 88. I'm going to say higher from Seville. It was lower. It was 10 shots lower. It was 273 scored. Uh, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's some score. Higher or lower then than 273. And this time it's 1962. And someone called Arnold Palmer. Right? Arnold Palmer, truly 1962. Did he shoot higher or lower than Seve's 273? It's got to be higher. Please tell me, it's like at Troon as well. That's a really, it's got to be higher. <laughs> it was higher. Not much higher, though. It was actually 276. Yeah. Isn't that right? That's amazing, really. Peter Baker, yeah. thank you for playing. Play your ground rights. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most difficult hole you have ever played? Of course, there's a lot of those. <laughs> the most difficult hole. 
That's a good question. Very good question. Probably, probably. I'll tell you where it's a really, really, I think it's the, I think it's the 12th, 12th or 11th hole at uh, Royal Troon, par four up the right hand side, right by the railway line. And you tee off over some gorse bushes to a really narrow fairway. Then you play to a green right, right by the railway line with, with a wall. That was always a really tough hole. You sort of like, you made, and when it's a bit windy, you sort of went five was, it's par four, but if you went five, it was sort of, yeah, it was, it was all right sort of thing. You know, it's, um, Four was a really big bonus, but I always found that was really, really difficult. And the wind tend to be left to right, blowing towards the railway line. Uh. And literally, you know, it's it, it, the trains are going by, and you know, you just you, every, every, you just trying to get further and further left, and you couldn't because there was gorse bushes. Uh, so I always felt that that was really, really tough hole. I could imagine I'm a big fan of the railways, but I wouldn't want my own golf club to end up oh, my own well, golf I, on that line. <laughs> I, I, there's another golf course further on called Prestrick on the same railway line. And oh. when I was probably about 16, the first tee is a uh, same thing right along the, the railway line. And I hit the ball onto the railway line and hit the railway line itself and bounced back onto the fairway, playing with super, playing with super <laughs> How different are the golf clubs of today from those you used in your early professional career? Uh, very, very different. Yeah, I mean the the, uh, the the driving club, the driver, it, it was wood, made in wood. I mean, really done done by um, handmade, really, if you want to call it. So just wood, and now obviously it's titanium. Uh, there's graphite in it. All the modern day materials that are just lighter, faster, and put together predominantly by machines really so uh yeah the the, the the clubs are much more superior and and better the golf ball's better and also the type of shafts that you put in we had a limited number of shafts to choose from really uh, but now there's a lot of lot of different shafts to choose from and also the machines that sort of you know you video your swing i mean i i didn't i never saw my golf swing on video till i was about 15 16 uh now you know you just get your phone out and video it and it's instant you know whatever you do you know in those days we had a great big camera uh with a big tape in it and you know there were thousands and thousands of pounds and somebody somewhere would have one you'd video it and the quality would be terrible and then you try and slow it down and have all the crinkly lines on it and you're trying to figure out what's what uh and that was that that was like a bonus really <laughs> now, now you think you get it on your phone and you can slow it down frame by frame it's just brilliant <laughs> Are you still in touch with any of your fellow competitors from the European tour? I am, yes. Yeah, we're, we're uh, f- another f- lucky thing, fortunate thing with golf is we play the seniors tour, which is over 50s. And the same guys, basically, that we play with all my career, I still get to see. So I'm, I'm fortunate I see uh, most of them, if not all of them. Um, so, that, so that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it's re- really good. And uh it's yeah, a bit, bit unusual. It's still very, very competitive. Still as competitive as ever. Um, we all want to beat each other, but it's probably a little bit more, more relaxed after the golf sort of thing and that. But once, once we get playing, very, very competitive and uh, and, it's, and it's good, to, good to see them, you know. And uh, it's funny they've, they've like myself, you know, we all got families and uh, their, their kids are growing up or growing up and so on and forth. So just, just a different, different era of your life, really. But uh, you sort of, you sort. Of, Follow follow each other's footsteps along along the way, really. So it's uh, yeah, it's, good, it's a good thing. How do you think Wolves would do without Nuno? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Well, I, I know what I hope they do. I hope they do very very well. Um, I don't really like everybody else. I don't really know much about the uh, this Bruno guy who's coming in or looks to be coming in by the sounds of it. So hopefully they do very very well. 
yeah, I mean, we were, I'm a season ticket holder, so I mean, uh, all my life. So it's just been brilliant. Nuno's been brilliant, isn't he? I mean, yeah, what what a four years that's been. I mean, God, it's been just fantastic. So uh, I think everybody's uh, a bit sad about him going. And, uh, you know, even the last year, you know, if if, if the worst Wolves do is finish 13th in the Premiership, the rest of my life, I'd, I'd be delighted. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, things change like any sport, you know. But, I mean, it was great great to have him and he did brilliant. And I hope, I hope the other guy does the same. I hope, I hope he does does well. I wish him all the best. I mean, he's uh, the big plus is he speaks Portuguese. So it's got to, got to, be, a bo- got to be a bonus at the Wolves. <laughs> All right, boys, we've come to the part of the podcast where we are joined by another podcast. This week, we've been joined by the Dads and Lads pod. Welcome, Stuart and Sean. How are guys? How are you? Hi, mate. Hi, mate. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. How did you set it up and, and what, what is it? So Sean has learning difficulties. And during the first lockdown in like September 2020, he really noticed that I was uh, listening to more podcasts because I was in work less. And he said, can we do a podcast? And that that was it. He wanted to do it because he thinks he's a bit like, he, wanted, he fancied himself as like a Joe Rogan getting one of them Spotify deals. <laughs> and I wanted to try and raise awareness for children with learning difficulties through Sean. I'm kind of without Sean knowing it was going to be like educational as well. Sean, how are you finding the podcast? Are you enjoying it? I think it's good. Everyone in my school listen to in it now. I like famous in that school. No. <laughs> if you could have one person on your podcast, anyone in the world, who would you have? Foden. Phil Foden. So that's that's the dream. Well, hopefully, hopefully he'll hear your podcast. I'm, I'm sure he will. <laughs> and you never know. So where can they find your podcast? Oh, we are everywhere. So we are Dads and Lads Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Dads and Lads The Pod on TikTok. Google search us and we're on Facebook as well. But to listen to it, uh, we are Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, just really everywhere, Podcast Addict, and we even, we're on YouTube as well, so for when we do video episodes, we're on there as well. Fab. Well, thank you for joining the podcast, boys, and I definitely recommend giving you a listen. So it's been a fantastic podcast, so keep up the good work, and thanks for coming Thank you on. very much. Thanks for having us on. So last week on the podcast, we were joined by former Premier League footballer Dave Edwards, and in our competition, you could have won a free family pass to Little Rascal Soft Play Centre in Shrewsbury for your family. The question we asked was, Dave Edwards has played for four football clubs, Shrewsbury, Wolves, Luton and which other club? And the answer was Redden. And thank you all for your answers, but the winner is Lucy Taylor from Shrewsbury. So Lucy will be in contact with you to get your tickets to you. Well done. Thank you so much, Peter, for taking the time to chat with us today. We really enjoyed speaking with you and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. No, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, great speaking to you. And uh, I wish I wish you all the best. And uh, keep going with the podcast. I think they're brilliant. So, yeah, uh, really good thing to do. Thank you very much. So, our next podcast, boys. Any ideas who's coming up? Yeah, so we have another great guest coming up next week. So next week, we'll be speaking to a professional boxer. She is a two-weight world champion and is currently undefeated. She retained her world titles a few weeks ago in Las Vegas. We'll be speaking to world boxing champion Chantelle Cameron. Another brilliant guest. I can't wait to speak to her. Our TWS Sports podcast will be released every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. The TWS Sports podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and many other podcast streams. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter. Thanks, lads, and see you next week. Thank you.
Thank you for downloading the TWS Sports Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episode. Also, remember to leave a review. Visit us on Instagram at TWS Sports Podcast or drop us a message on our email at twssportspodcast at hotmail.com. It will really help to grow our podcast. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.